Um, all those who are willing to serve, um, Tyler, I've been looking forward to this opportunity to, to be in a service where we kind of get to, to, to work together. Um, you do look a lot like Wid Lord. I didn't know. If, I don't know if you really knew that. Um, it's been a long week, and um, and I don't understand at times why I get an opportunity to do this um, because the songs that we've just sung, the 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 opportunities we've heard um, to hear about the importance of communion. Um, I mean, there have been sermons already preached this morning that we should all be in tune to. Um, I'm excited that you may be witnessing something here at Northside that maybe you haven't been paying attention to. But um, if you look around, we do have a number of, of guests. Um, some are intentionally here for seasons of their life. Some of them are um, looking to start um, new opportunities and new seasons. It is um, and it's an exciting thing to be involved with um, willing servants. Um, and so as we talk about responding and as we try to kind of get into a groove this morning, there are highs and lows in that, and that's the sermon title. Um, but, uh, but I feel like we're in a, we're in a good place this morning. Um, I feel like we're in a good place this morning because we can praise God and say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, thank you, Jesus. I almost, I, I love that song, I stopped singing, I almost became emotional just thinking how much I owe to Jesus. Um, I have a friend, he um, is a mutual friend of mine and my brother's, he um, grew up in a church and has been struggling with his faith openly this week, and um, I've really wrestled with how I can be helpful, what I can do to give that answer or that solution to fix all those faith struggles, and, um, and I'm reminded again this morning, it's all about Jesus. Um, we need to boast about Jesus. Um, we need to talk about the gospel, and we, re- we need to respond. Um, I need to type in a message on that thread that I'm watching on Facebook and actually show up to the fight. If, I, if his spiritual life matters to me, I probably ought to step in there and let him know. As awkward as it is and as much as he doesn't want to hear it right now, I need to say, hey, I'm, I'm here. Um, Jesus cares about you. So as we get into an opportunity once again this morning to worship, to sing, to read Scripture, to participate in the communion, Tyler, I, I think you're right. Um, we need to slow the process down. And uh, my wife's in Bible time, so I'm not going to take too much advantage of that because she has to have a, an end time, right? I don't, we can't do this all day. I can't preach until, um, until 5 o'clock small groups tonight. But, um, but I can introduce you to an idea, and maybe it's one that you don't need introducing to at all, um, with, with, this, with this quote. I wrote down while we were in, in service this morning. A life lived all in allows us all the time needed for the process. If you're all in for Jesus, then he, he has all the time, right? It's not just this time because we're here in worship service and it's the appropriate time. We play the part, we dress the role, we, um, we come and we know what we're supposed to do. That process at times we lose sight of why we, why we need to be here in the first place. At some point, we assume that, that God needs us here. Like there's something we're doing this morning that he isn't getting in heaven himself already. There is eternal singing, and if singing isn't your thing, um, we need to fix that. 
because we're going to be, singing's going to become your thing if you're going to heaven. Let me just go ahead and tell you. Um, we've, we have a singing class, and the singing class has got an opportunity to learn a new song like the one we just sang, but it is an opportunity to laugh at Brent. No, it's an opportunity for us to fellowship together. That's right. Right? No, we have, we have some running jokes, he and I, during that process, because I'll just stand up in the middle of it, and, and then it, you have to have a stand, right? We have some, in the years of doing this, we have some camaraderie built up. And that's what class is about. Was anybody um, upstairs or down the hall and heard laughter from the adult classroom this morning? It was kind of awkward. I'm sure there are people thinking, what is going on? Those teenagers downstairs need to get it together. No, we were the adults having a good time in Bible class. And it was fun. It's full of joy. And we come into this place this morning... And we worship a God who wants us to have fun, wants us to be full of joy, wants us to respond with genuine love for each other. I love you, church. I try to say it as much as I can. I feel like as a spokesperson for you, to you, to your community, that's my job, right? But it's true. I love seeing your faces. I love that we're doing something together. And I love that you're all in in this process. And the reason why I know that, because some of you never stop worshiping, pouring yourself out as, a, as an offering, a drink offering. Never stop that living sacrifice. And for others, we talked about this on our Wednesday night class, even on our Sunday class in, in Romans, we've been talking about in chapter 12, that living sacrifice. Why is it so complicated? Because the sacrifice that alive is, is tough to tie down sometimes. You know, if you, if you have a sacrifice that's already been killed and you put it on the offering, to, to, uh, on the altar to be offered, it's, it's easy to sort of go through that process. But a live, living sacrifice means that you have to slow things down a bit and choose to be on the altar. And church, I appreciate you being here this morning. Those tuning in online, I appreciate you being here this morning. Mom, I'm wearing a tie. Yes. Yes. Our offering this morning is through our willingness and church, if we're going to move on beyond responding in 2021, we have to become willing to respond in all circumstances at all times. This, this lesson and the next are the last two in the Take Your Life Back series before we go into the unknown. And we're going to talk about how some things happen or why we worship, why we sing, why we pray, some of those things in the, in the coming weeks to begin the summer, to kick off the summer series with the song class. But there are, there's a lot more depth to why we do what we do than what we're receiving here this morning. It is encouraging, and we should be enjoying the fellowship and the edification and the opportunity to evangelize and the ways in which we can be benevolent with our giving and our service and our time. The church, to respond, we need to be willing responders. There are highs and lows, which we've sung about this morning. We place you in the highest place. For you the great high priest, and we worship at your feet. <clears throat> Our God is all in all, we said this morning. If we're going to understand the highs and lows, we need to understand that we have a purpose that needs to be in the highest place, and our purpose is worship. Our purpose is glorifying God. Our purpose is a living sacrifice, and that's the highest honor that people can have. Listen to me. The highest honor that you can have is to be able to worship God. That's it. That means your job 
that you may have a great position or high position in should be to honor God. Your friendships should be to honor God. That should be the highest point those relationships can go to. Your marriages, your dating relationships should be to honor God. I should lift up my wife and honor and love her like Christ did the church because that's my reasonable sacrifice in that relationship. And the lows should be to honor God at his feet. And so we're going to get there this, uh, at the end of service, but I want, to, I want to say something to you that you did such a good job with the roar last week. We're not going to do that again. But I am going to ask you to repeat after me at the end. But I want you to listen to this real quick. My highs are never above you. My lows are never without you. Think about that as we go through this this morning. My highs are never above you, and my, my lows are never without you. Church, we have to be humble in our positioning to how good our God is and how important our community is. And this is community, people choosing to live together with shared social norms and values, yes. We have community outside where we live with people with some shared norms and values, not all equally. We may not all share the same political um, leanings. We may not all cheer for the same teams. John, you know what I'm talking about. You were at New Albany, and we were here in Jeff, right? We understand the tension, right? But we're still community. We still take care of each other. Where you may prioritize family relationship first because family matters so much. When you start breaking down where community matters in your life, local community is a big deal. And I love other states, other communities, other places in the world, but I live here locally. So it means a little more. And we may not be family, but I take up for Southern Indiana Hoosiers. I take up for people from Kentucky. Woo! Right? <laughs> of course we do. I hurt when Louisville hurts because I've seen Louisville hurting for a long time. And I've been proud of Louisville for the last 10 to 15 years of my life. And it's been tough to watch it on fire because we can't get along in community. You know, we're talking about church. So we have to respond and love through the highs and the lows because that's our reasonable service and sacrifice. There are four things I want us to think about this morning. I want you to analyze your role. I want you to encourage your community, prioritize your path, and navigate your journey. To analyze our role, we have to understand something. We have to understand that we have a God, a will from God that is intentionally given to us. God has a will for our lives. To offer our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is our true and proper worship. We talked about this on Wednesday night in our Listen to Make Room class. What is true and proper worship? Well, it's a lot more than coming here and singing all the notes and the words right. And for some of us, knowing the songs a little better because we happen to be here on Wednesdays, and some of us who are learning them for the first time. We're not more true or proper because we've heard these songs before. Participation is more about all things to God in all times. Being a living sacrifice means when I'm alive, I'm in the sacrificing process. I'm sacrificial with my life. So I'm a, am I alive here today, church? Amen. Yeah, you better say something or I'm going get, to get concerned. Right? We have an AED machine in the back. I, I kind of wanted to use that, but I don't want to today. Right? Am I alive today, church? Yes. Yes. And is our God good? Yes, all the time. 
So if I'm alive and our God is good, then I need to be a pleasing, sacrificial offering to him while I'm alive. When I'm here, when I'm not here. When I'm awake, before I go to sleep, I should be waking myself up at night so excited about that. I was, I was ready to preach last night. In fact, when I take notes on my phone in the middle of the night, that, that lets you know that I've got some things to say, right? I get up and I'm wandering around looking for things to take notes on because I don't, wanna, I don't want you to miss some of the things that I'm thinking about. And then I realize it's God's will. My offering for you this morning is to draw attention to God's will for your life and a relationship to Jesus Christ. It's not about the, the little quotes and the things that I come up with. It's how God's will and the Spirit allows those things to flow through this process. We are participating this morning in worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. And we, we said, what is the world? Is it the people of the world? Maybe. Do we need to separate from sinful people? Sometimes. But we need to embrace sinful people. We need to bring them in. Because are we sinful people? Yeah. If we're going to get to Romans chapter 12, you've got to go through the first 11 chapters too. And it reminds us that we're all sinful. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So if therefore I urge you, therefore you better look back at the other 11 chapters and find out what it's there for. Living sacrifice. Transformed and renewed. To community. To love. To honor. To respect in all things. For God's glory. And whether people support that or not, is not your priority. Your priority is to, as the sun rises, to shine the light. And as the sun sets, bow before your God. So you get a blessed opportunity to do it tomorrow. And the sun rises and you rise before God. So people around you can see that you are a city set on a hill to boast about your Jesus. And then as your sun sets, you bow before your God and worship. Not just today because it's Sunday, but every day. That's, that's pleasing to God. That's your living sacrifice. So, church, you are not ordinary. We are created in God's image. We've talked about this for a number of weeks now. God has destined you to impact the world around you. Community is important. Because our community needs to see people shining the light of Jesus and all that they do during the day. And then going to bed, bowing before their God to be given another opportunity. Paul is a good example as he writes to the Romans and Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, Paul reminds us that his life is not his own and for him to live is Christ and to die is gain. If we're going to talk about a living sacrifice, we need to see one model to us. Jesus is obviously a good example of that. And as the author is modeling Christ in his life, he's realized something. He's ready to go to heaven. He's excited about singing for eternity in heaven. He's also excited about boasting about his Jesus here on earth. He understands he's no longer an ordinary person. He's destined to something to impact his world. I think he understood that as Saul, but it was misguided. In the church, it's important. As we think about our faith and our role in our community, that it's not misguided. 
as zealous as we are, and as excited as we are to worship our God with what we think is most important about our faith, do not allow your community, your family, our church, the people around us, the people around the world, to think that how we sing and what we do traditionally here is more important than the love of God. Okay? Those things are important, and it is important to be obedient and honor God in specific ways as a church. But if you're discrediting other people of faith because of how you do things here, be careful. Be careful that you're not being too zealous about things that aren't important. God's impact and His will for your life. If you continually renew and transform that idea through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, you'll start to prioritize some things a little differently. This little the card that we have to, to provide food for a community... I think we can all agree that it would be ridiculous if a child didn't eat every day. Can anybody make that make sense this morning? Maybe a few, right? Whittler, you understand why that's a reality. But it's hard to remember why. Your kids eat every day. Even the day that you have a new child brought into the family, you still, your kids still eat. You're a good dad. We can't understand it. We can't wrap our brains around it. And then when we're presented with an opportunity to look at it, look at hunger and respond, what do we need to do? We need to understand that we're destined to impact that situation. And $10 of quarters doesn't seem like much of a sacrifice, church. The sacrifice is looking at the brokenness. The sacrifice is opening your mind up to suffering. So you don't just have the past to walk past it. You can't just say, I didn't see that. I didn't understand that. Now I know, and I know how I can respond. Then my renewed mind transforms my life into a living sacrifice in that way. When I have the opportunity to respond, I will. You're, you're being blessed with a number of opportunities, church, that aren't by happenstance here. As the sermon series goes through and as listening to Make Room has been prioritized as a Wednesday class and our Romans class and some of those things, you're also presented with ways to serve your community by handing out food, ways to serve our international community by supporting kids and children's homes, by providing quarters, by listening to opportunities for Walk for Water from people who have been in those situations. And you see and you feel the momentum of doing living sacrifice, Right? And it's kind of fun. And you put on the shirt, and you're kind of proud of it, right? The Walk for Water shirt, they're soft. Sean did a good job picking those out. Sean Judge did. And you think, wow, I feel really good about this. It's not just because those things happen to fall into our lap. We are retraining and renewing our minds to what God expects from our lives here at Northside. And if you're here this morning and you're not aware of that, I want you to know it's intentional what we're doing here. Stronger Together was intentional, Northside, because we needed to get back on board together. But church unity isn't something that we're going to preach about forever, because at some point, we've got to learn that lesson if we're going to respond. And there's something greater than responding waiting for us. There's more than just responding. 
For just as each of us all has one body with many members, and these members do all do not all have the same function, so we in Christ, though many, form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. Community. Community with purpose. Community with specific gifts and opportunities to be stronger together, right? An opportunity to renew our minds to how we can work together. An opportunity to look at the insider and see a mission team formed to be intentional about missions. You know, I'm excited about seeing that, and I'm also excited that my name's not in that group. You see how that works? I would love to be a part of that group. In fact, I'm going to talk to that group, but I don't need to do that. This morning, Whittler, there was a possibility that you weren't going to be able to be here this morning because of having a new baby born, right? And we were able to turn to a visitor in our community and ask Tyler to be involved in the community this morning. Not because he felt like he had to, because when he came here, he said, put me to work. I'm ready to work. I don't know if I could just sit around church and not, not be involved, right? I've heard that before. We've had people come into our church and said, I don't do church sitting down. Put me to work. Life is better together, church. Life is better together in community. And our community needs to see that in us. As the sun rises in our lives and we praise God first thing in the morning and as we bow in the evening to go to bed and we bow before God in worship, I want our community to know that our life is better together. I want the things that we do here in our congregation, not just with our adults, but our children, not just with who our members here, but our visitors that come in to know that what we do here at Northside is good because our God is good and Jesus is worth boasting about. Not because we've got it figured out, because we do not. We have a track record of failure and we have a track record of success. Think about that. This church has a track record of great successes and failures as well. You know why that's the case? Because we are a community together of broken, sinful people who sometimes get it right and other times we fail. Why is the invitation important on a weekly basis? Because some of us are still struggling in failure. Right? Because some of us need to understand that we're here for each other. And that life is better together. We need to encourage our community. Paul writes to the, 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 the church in Rome, or the, to the Romans, and, and he lists encouragement as one of those things that they could participate in, right? And in 1 Thessalonians here, he lists encouragement again. He said, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. So he not only gives it as an opportunity for something people can be involved in, Right? He's seen it from the best, from Barnabas. He's seen the opportunity to be an encourager. But then he's asking those to continue encouraging. It's not something you do for a season, you encouragers. We need encouragers. We need encouragers here in the church. We understand that clearly. But our community needs encouragers. Our community needs people who praise God publicly. Our community needs encouragement. Being rude is not cheap, church. It's expensive. Now, this is hard. There are weak moments, we all have them, where someone's less than impressive with how they're vocalizing or putting out their um, frustrations in the drive-thru or in traffic or at school. And sometimes it's easy to kind of be sarcastic or rude. They're not here at church. They won't know that... um, that I'm struggling today, so I'm just going to blend into the culture of the world around us. That is, 
letting people know how, how frustrated I am. The hate that I feel sometimes gets talked about more than the love. See, it's expensive. It takes a toll on community, rudeness does. And, and rude church people are the worst. You Hang on to that one for a minute. I expect people who, who are unchurched and haven't heard about the gospel message of Jesus Christ, about the love and joy found in Jesus Christ, I can, I can understand when they're rude because they maybe haven't been taught or they haven't understood this valuable lesson that we already know. But when you're rude, boy, I'm disappointed. When I'm rude, I'm disappointed in myself because I know better. Because I know when my sun rises in the morning, it's to praise God. And when I go to bed, it's to bow before him. And if there's rudeness in between, that should not be on the altar of my living sacrifice. I know better. And I should understand the cost. The cost of you being rude to someone is when I'm trying to figure out how I reach out to one person who used to be a faithful Christian, who is disgusted by Christian people, and I can't break through to him in his life and let him know how important remaining faithful is because he can't see God through all the godless people. And those people were supposed to be kind and loving to him. But they were rude church people. You can expect that from people who don't go to church. So when the church hurts people, that's, that's hard, church. First Thessalonians remind us to be encouraged to encourage one another. Proverbs 16, 24. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Ephesians 4, 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine as lights to the world. Kindness is like a beacon of light to a dark world. And our world is dark because it's full of cheap insults and sarcasm. And God just wants you to be joyful and loving in your words. Colossians 4 and verse 6, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Do or say, um, do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him and God the Father. Psalm 19, verse 14, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Those two are combined. They're they're not mutually exclusive. What comes out of your mouth is found in your heart. And if you say something that's unkind, rude, and you think that's not who I am, you better check your heart. It won't come out of your mouth if it's not in your heart, church. Being rude is, is, is not cheap, it's expensive. We must prioritize our path this morning. The path of the righteous is like what? The morning sun shining ever bright to the full day of light. Prioritize your path to shine your light like a city set upon a hill. In Matthew, excuse me, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. To glorify the, your Father in heaven. Your posture affects your mood, and it illuminates the lives of others. Your posture, 
your willingness to get up and rise and shine light. It affects your mood and it illuminates the lives of others. How does it affect your mood? If you're not willing to get up in the morning, if you're going to lay in bed and feel sorry for yourself and choose not to shine the light of Jesus, are you going to, be, are you going to feel like a worthy sacrifice, a living sacrifice? Are you going to be joyous in your day if you have to get up? No, you should want to get up. You should want to get up because what the day can provide, because of the optimism that God gives us through that great purpose, his will for our lives. And that illuminates the lives of others. Being a Christian is a, is a big responsibility. We have to be on point and thoughtful all the time, right? And we can never fail. No, we have to figure that balance out. We have to help each other out of that process. But we, need to, we do need to be kind and illuminate the lives of others. So continue. In Proverbs 4, it says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. Do not, do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to, the, to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Your heart brings life and health. The heart of God, the life of Christ, the Spirit of God, they bring life and health to a dying world, to a struggling community, to a lost soul who has given up on their faith. We have to navigate our journey, finally. So we have to, how do we navigate our journey? We're prioritizing our path. We're analyzing what our purpose is. And our purpose is to be encouragers through what we do. And we have to prioritize our path, right? What does that mean? That means when I get up in the morning, I'm intentional about the direction that I go. Timothy, you and I have talked about this. How can I hand out a homeless pack on 265 as I'm driving 70 mile an hour down the highway to get here as fast as possible? Are there typically people in need in that, in that area? No. And if they were, would they be very happy about a, a homeless pack flying out of my truck at 70 miles an hour? No. So, I turn down State Street, New Albany. I come through Spring Street, New Albany. I go, go through Clarksville, into Jeffersonville, up Stancifer, through Claysburg Towers, past Claysburg Towers, into 10th Street, and into my community in a way that I'll find as many people as possible who may need to see the love of Jesus. Right? So, prioritize your path. How can you get to work that gives you the most opportunity to let people know Jesus loves them? What coffee shop can you stop at to get that cup of joe in the morning to get you going, to let people know that your light has risen and you're ready to shine the light of Jesus until you go to bed in the evening? And when you leave work, what can you do to be an encourager? And it takes an intentional path. It's tough. I mean, you have to plan it out. And to navigate those paths is also difficult. Because not everyone on their path is looking to bring joy to the world. So, to navigate those circumstances, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left, but keep your foot from evil. Sounds like Psalm 119, 105. Your word is the lamp for my feet and a light for my path. 
So to prioritize our day, to be intentional, be in the word. Look for ways in which we can bless people with our lives. And let our mouths speak praise and honor to our God. Even if our circumstances aren't the most favorable. If you look at Paul, he says he's going to be fruitful and joyous and everything, boasting about Jesus in all circumstances. As he's got rocks thrown at him, and as he's been shipwrecked, and as he's been imprisoned, and as he's been tortured, and as he's seen Jesus and his friends and all, yes, it could get much worse. So when you're inconvenienced by the wait in the, in the drive-through, or a wrong order, or a situation at school that didn't go exactly the way that you want, make sure that you're prioritizing your mindset and your path to navigate our, our world. God's will... God will accomplish his will. Will you let him do it through you? That's our one simple truth. I couldn't make this more complicated. It's nothing simple about this, right? God will accomplish his will. Whether you're on board or not, God's will is going to happen. You look at scripture. There are people who are going to stop the will of God, right? And, And they were not able to complete that task. God's will still is able to happen. Will you let him work through you? That's the invitation this morning. God will accomplish his will. Will you be a part of that process? Will you allow, through your analyzation of the things that you're involved in, will you encourage others? Will you be intentional about how you prioritize your day? Will you navigate difficult situations in a way that God's will will be accomplished through your life? As we close this morning, I want you to think about that. To navigate to navigate. How will you speak? How will you act? How will you love? How will you serve? How will you worship? And how will you sacrifice? Those are all opportunities of navigation. You can choose. You can choose not to act in love, and you can navigate to a bad place in your life. You can choose to not be on the altar this morning and say, I'm a living sacrifice. I have the right to take a day off of my faith. And you can face the consequence for that. Someone in judgment says, how come you never mentioned him to me? We have an opportunity to be involved in God's will all the time. The highs and lows of church, I want you to repeat this. My highs are never above you. My lows are never without you. One more time. My highs are never above you. My, no, my lows are never without you. Okay, so let me explain this. My highs are never with, above you because if I'm going to boast about something, I'm boasting about Christ. I'm not boasting about me. I'm not boasting about the things that we do or the number of boxes we give away. I'm not boasting about who we are as a church or how great we are for our community or how nice our lawn looks. I'm boasting about Jesus. And I'm I'm staying humble in that process to know that my God is greater than me and my process is to boast about Jesus. And my loaves are never without you. Whatever state I'm in, however abandoned I feel, the terrible things that have happened to me, God has not left me. God's people may not be with me, which is unfortunate, but God has not left me. And it is our job as God's people to find those people who are lost and abandoned and show them love, show them service, worship, sacrifice, kind words, us navigating our faith. Church, I love you this morning. I'm excited. I think I've go any longer, it would be unreasonable for those upstairs. And like Brent articulated this morning, um, living in a healthy relationship with your wife is, is a, should be a priority in your life.
<laughs> As we approach the invitation, I want you to know that some of our elders will be in the back if you have a need. And then publicly, we have an opportunity to come forward if there's a public um, um, confession or an opportunity to be baptized and to choose the path and navigate that journey together with us. The first step in that path, that choice, is to become a Christian. It's to identify with Christ. If I'm going to be called like Christ, I need to take on him in baptism. And then it gets real complicated. And boy, church fellowship is a beautiful part. I love our complicated life, church. I love our relationships. I love our highs and our lows. And I love this morning that my highs are never above you and my lows are never without you.